Welcome to Intergenerational Politics with Jill Weinbanks and Victor Xi, where we host weekly political discussions that are engaging and relevant to all generations. As always, we want to thank you for listening to Intergenerational Politics. If you haven't done so already, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts to support future episodes. We also have a website, intergenerationalpolitics.com. This is Victor Xi. I'll be an incoming freshman next year at UCLA, and I'm also the youngest Joe Biden delegate in Illinois. Um, Jill, do you want to give us a brief introduction about who you are um, before we get started with this episode? Sure. By now, I'm hoping that people are watching often enough that they know who we both are, but I'm Jill Weinbanks. I'm the author of The Watergate Girl and an MSNBC legal analyst. Um, my career spans many more decades than Victor has been alive, but he is one of the joys of my current life. And Likewise. Uh, he gives me enormous hope for the future of America. So tonight we're going to do a special episode, which will be to discuss last night's, uh, I would uh, have to put uh, hold on, marks. Hold on. Put... <laughs> Can we... Oh, he wants us to show that we're both wearing our intergenerational yes, politics yes. <laughs> sweatshirts. So Match, matching um, shirts, yes, matching sweatshirts. We have matching shirts. Um, but anyway, tonight is a special episode where we're going to talk about last night's debate. And the reason I'm putting quotes, air quotes, around debate is because oh. it was by no means a debate. It was simply not. And that was because, in my view, at least one of the participants completely ignored rules of debating. And not just rules of debating that are normal, but the rules that were set by the federal commission setting up the debate that his campaign agreed to. Um, and I would have to say that I think that everyone watching, if they're being honest, recognized that this was a chaotic, debate, that's the word that almost every newspaper headline used was chaotic and interruptions, and that the interrupter in chief was the president of the United States. Uh, very unpresidential. I did hear an NPR segment this morning on 1A, which number one, I wanna say had uh, Major Garrett from CBS, um, who is a neutral observer as a uh, journalist. And of course, um, the host of the show is a journalist and therefore neutral. And then it had a Trump supporter from the Republican Party and an independent voter. It did not have a Democrat. Now, I didn't hear them ever explain why there was no Democrat. And I didn't have the show on the entire time. So maybe there was an explanation of that. But I think that was an enormous uh, gaffe on their part because it presented a very uh, unbalanced presentation. Uh, it, it was interesting to hear the Trump supporter because I can't believe that she and I listened to the same words, watched the same behavior. Um, her interpretation was everything that Trump did was wonderful and perfect and that uh, Chris Wallace from Fox News was rude to the president and interrupted him more than he interrupted uh, Vice President Biden. 
Now, of course, the reason that he was interrupted more was because he was the one who was interrupting Joe Biden and wasn't following the rules. So he needed to be stopped. And even that didn't stop him. So um, one of my big takeaways from that was that you can't have a debate where you don't follow the rules. That simply isn't fair and it doesn't work. It doesn't let the American people learn anything. Um, um, I'm, I'm sort of answering what my first question for you is, um, and that is, you know, what's your big takeaway from this? What was your overall impression? You are a first-time voter. You've just turned 18. You became a delegate for Joe Biden when you were 17, but because you would be 18 in time to vote, you were eligible to, right. to run as a delegate. And I'm just wondering, I've seen debates since the very first presidential debates, um, maybe not the first, but the first televised sure, debates. Sure. And that was the Nixon-Kennedy debate. Mm -hmm. And um, I did see a similarity to that, which was Nixon is widely viewed to have lost that debate because he was sweaty right, and had a heavy right. beard growth. And honestly, Donald Trump was slimy sweaty. Um, yeah. I mean, very orange too. Yeah. Well, that's his normal color. So I can't <laughs> comment on that. But yeah. but he doesn't usually look like he's covered with sweat. Um, and I don't, it couldn't have been the lighting because it was the same lighting that Vice President Biden had. Yeah. And he didn't look sweaty. Um, so if people were voting based on how people looked, that's why Kennedy won and Nixon lost um, the debate, that is, um, and the election, actually. Um, but it, it was definitely um, not a policy discussion. Yeah, yeah. Biden tried and Donald Trump never even tried. Um, and, and then we can talk about some specific yeah, things sure. that he said that might be disturbing. Yeah. Okay. So I remember watching the 2016 debates between Hillary and Trump. And, you know, I thought personally as a first time, you know, debate watcher that that debate was quite nasty um, with Donald Trump <laughs> and Hillary Clinton just going at each other. Um, going into this debate, I think I was preparing myself for a messy debate, but I don't think anyone was prepared for what happened last night. Um, a lot of my friends who are kind of tuned out about politics into uh, in politics, um, they watched the debate and what really turned them off um, was when Joe Biden talked about Bo Biden and then Donald Trump pivoted and talked about Hunter Biden and they were like that is the lowest that you can go as a president. And of course, you know, Jill, we know how low this president can go and, you know, nothing quite surprises us um, when, you know, President Trump makes this ludicrous statement. But I think for just the younger generation tuning in yesterday, they saw that, you know, this person is, you know, put it nicely, he's a bully and he, he, he does, he makes these insults that are so personal. And, you know, for recent high school graduates, I think we just think, you know, do we want our president setting this example for our country? And, you know, if you're tuning in and if you saw that moment, or if you listened to that moment when, um, you know, Donald Trump personally attacked uh, Joe Biden's uh, son Hunter for, um, you know, being on cocaine. And then Joe Biden, you know, said, you know, like everyone else, he's also recovered. And I'm so proud of him for doing so. That was, I thought, um, one of the most defining moments of the debate. And for a lot of the younger generation, that's what they really um, 
uh, hung on to. And there was also this one moment when um, Chris Wallace and Joe Biden, you know, urged Donald Trump to um, condemn uh, white, white supremacy, right? And so he said, you know, stand back and stand by um, for um, the, the white supremacist organization. And people were just like, no, we, we cannot have this as our president. Um, this is insane for our president to be for be to, to be supporting white supremacists and telling them to stand by as in you know lock your guns and get ready like that it's just insane and so i'd say for me the, the biggest takeaway is that you know for for any young person tuning into this debate um you know like you said we saw someone who is ready to take, to take on the position of presidency and that is joe biden and uh, someone who really isn't presidential who um doesn't you know have much policy to talk about and i thought that was the most striking thing at the outset um when they both were asked about amy coney barrett um president trump didn't really talk much about abortion and women's reproductive rights he he really uh, uh emphasized her credentials and then joe biden really emphasized um what amy coney barrett what the stakes of amy coney barrett would mean for the court um and he focused on the issues uh, aca obamacare right. exactly uh, and not just the right of women to have choice yeah um i've tweeted several cartoons recently um that are very relevant to this um one of them was a cartoon of a judicial black robe saying for Amy Coney Barrett, and then a handmaid's outfit. And it said, for all other women, because of the rights that we will lose if right. Amy Coney Barrett is confirmed. Uh, that was one. And there was another that it, it sort of showed Donald Trump at the moment of his talking about the Proud Boys, let's name them for what they are. Um, which was the, the group that he gave a thumbs up to and they cheered and they are using it for, they've now got t-shirts. They have the patch to now. It's, 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 I mean, and, and for my generation, I would say his refusal to say, to disown white supremacists and his refusal uh, continue saying there are good people on both sides as he did during the white supremacist rally uh, in Charlottesville. Charlottesville. Oh, Charlottesville, yeah. Yeah, Charlottesville um, are maybe some of the more distressing things, but also I think, you know, my generation, our parents. And yeah. that's, that's um, what I was about have... to, yeah, that's, that's what I was about to ask. Cause um, before the debate, there was a CBS poll that um, showed up on the screen that uh, I was watching and then I switched to um, MSNBC. Um, but CBS showed this poll and it was, um, why will you watch the debate? And 73% of voters um, said that they'd like to see how my candidate does. 41% um, said for entertainment. 8% um, will be, you know, said it was, <laughs> it, it was the only thing on TV at the time. And then 6% said that they tuned into the debate because they were still de deciding who to vote for. And I guess that's really, I guess, the strategy of both campaigns. Um, Joe Biden went to, into this campaign thinking that, you know, he just has to maintain his support. He just has to come out of it surviving. I think I thought he did that. Um, Donald Trump is coming in as um, the really the trailer in this uh, campaign. So um, he needs to turn out uh, either more of his base or he needs to turn well, out more undecided voters. And I thought, yeah. you know, given this debate, what did you like, what did you think of his performance for one of the most key demographics in this debate, which is just um, suburban women um, and parents who are out there? Yeah, um, well, First, let me say in terms of polls yeah. uh, and undecideds, it's hard to believe that anyone is still undecided, right. but I understand and I hope that those people are paying attention, are watching information and facts. And of course, there's nothing 
about fact that you could deny when you see the presentation yourself. It's not me telling you what I saw, it's seeing it for yourself. So that's important. And when you mentioned polls, um, I did a poll on Twitter saying, you know, based on what you saw, should there be a second debate? Mm -hmm. And I certainly do not have a, um, probably a fair sampling because I suspect that the people who follow me and would have answered the poll tend to be people who believe as I do. But of those people, 83% said, don't have another debate. Yeah. It served no purpose. Yeah. Um, there is a purpose though. I think we can say that you see who Donald Trump is and you mm -hmm. see who Joe Biden is. Right. Um, now to your question, um, I think, you know, for example, this issue of other people also have children who have been addicted and addiction is a horrible thing. Um, there was a movie called, I think, My Beautiful Boy, which the statistics on recovery from addiction, once you get hooked, are almost, yeah. uh, almost none. Um, I lost a cousin recently from an overdose. And my family is a family that has the resources to have had him in rehab and to have cared enough to try to save him. And it, it couldn't be overcome for him. So the fact that Hunter Biden has overcome his addiction is something very much to be proud of. Right. And um, any parent would understand that. Mm -hmm. And for watching yeah. Donald Trump pivot from the hero um, that Bo Biden was, um, who served uh, overseas in the military, who was in elected office, who was a joy and a pride for any parent, mm -hmm. and to pivot and not express condolences on the yeah. loss of Bo Biden, um, and to pivot to attacking Donald, uh, Joe Biden as a parent was really a low moment. And I think it caused a lot of suburban women to say that can't happen again. Yeah. We can't survive this. Um, and I will say, while I criticized um, NPR 1A for not having a, a Democrat represented, the independent voter did say watching this debate made him uh, sure he was going to vote for Biden. So um, right. that maybe other independent voters, maybe more undecided voters uh, had their minds made up from this, whether a second or third debate will serve any further purpose. Yeah. I think we've seen. And, and let's, uh, let, let's get like into what we can expect for the next debates and what we, I guess, want to see as for that. Um, one other point is um, with this debate, I thought, um, you know, it, it, one of my biggest fears is with politics always is um, just whether or not people are turned off by what's happening in our politics. Um, you know, we know we're in this polarized society where, you know, we are so divided among ideological lines. Um, and yesterday, while we while Democrats know that, um, you know, Joe Biden held his ground, stayed cool, stayed calm, stayed presidential, um, for just your average person listening and, or just tuning in to, to witness this kind of 
dinner fight. I mean, <laughs> they, they, I mean, I don't blame them for having some cynical or some cynicism or, or some, you know, uh, hesitancy to get involved in politics because of that. But I just hope that, you know, after what they saw last night, that there is this clear contrast between what Donald Trump stands for, which is I don't, nothing, uh, and then and then what Joe Biden stands for. And, you know, I, I just hope that this debate starts to shift things and it doesn't turn off more people than we have to. I, I, I share your view, but I, I actually, and I'm sometimes known as Pollyanna because I'm always hopeful, yeah. but um, I am hopeful that it will actually rev up voters, that people so. seeing yeah. this will know that there is one, a very clear choice. Right. Um, there are two very different people running mm -hmm. for this office and one of them is going to be president for the next yeah. four years and mm -hmm. that they will therefore be energized to be informed and to be involved right. and to get out the vote, not mm -hmm. just for themselves to vote, but to get five other people with them to exactly. vote exactly. Uh, because a lot is at stake. And I, I am really hopeful that that's what's going to happen. I'm, I'm not um, afraid that it will turn people off. And I think it says to people, you can and should be involved because you can make a difference. Yeah. And voting is one of those ways that you can make a difference. And mm -hmm. um, I, I, I still, of course, I am Pollyanna. I still hope that there may be two additional Republican senators who will say it is not equitable. It is not fair for us to have deprived the last president in the last year from February until November of an ability to have a nominee considered for the Supreme Court. And then for us, while voting is already going on and while there's a month left before it's over, that we're gonna push through a nominee who will change the dynamics of the court for the next 30, 40 years. She's 48 years old if she's confirmed. You can expect her to be on the court for 30, 40 years. And um, that is a dramatic shift. Um, I think it also should raise the issue of why do we have such a polarized and politicized choice for the Supreme Court? Why can't we have people who aren't ideologues, but who are really smart and who can help guide, um, not guide, but follow the law um, right. and do what they are supposed to be doing, which is to be neutral arbiters, applying the constitution to legislation and disputes uh, that are brought before it and not to come in with opinions about very um, controversial social issues and um, not just social issues, political and business uh, regulation of businesses, women's liberty is at stake. Uh, voting and, rights. And I don't mean just choice, yeah. voting rights. There are so many things that are at issue now. Um, LGBTQ, there are, everyone in America could be uh, impacted by this. And it's not a one issue court. Right. So while I understand those who are opposed for religious reasons to their own personal use of um, birth control or um, any kind of intervention in a pregnancy. Um, the court will be deciding a lot of other things 
that could cause the loss of women's rights. And uh, I think we need to pay attention to that. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I, I think that, that was uh, spot on. Um, okay, so let's, so one presidential debate down, two more to go. The next one is gonna be a town hall style event um, where, he, where Donald Trump will have to face real voters. We saw how the one with ABC went, didn't go so well. Uh, and then the last one is of course another debate. Um, and then the next, next week we have a vice presidential debate, which is the only vice presidential debate between Kamala Harris and Mike Pence. Um, you know, given what we saw yesterday, um, we all know that it was a mess um, with, you know, so many problems from Donald Trump interrupting and just so many of those uh, interruptions uh, throughout the debate. So this morning, um, the commission on uh, the commission for presidential debates came out with a statement saying that there will uh, be substantial restructuring uh, for the next debates. Um, so Joe, what do you what do you hope for um, in the next debates? Like, do you think we should cut the mics? Do you think we should, um, you know, put put people in like this uh, sound booth? Like, like what it, what what do you think should be? You know, well, done first, in the let next me say debate? I don't expect that the vice presidential debate will be the chaos and interruptions that we had in last night's debate. I think that that will be possibly a real debate. Yeah. Um, I, I will be very interested in watching that one. Um, the town hall, it may be harder for Donald Trump to be rude in front of a live audience. And speaking right. of, I just have to go back to last night. One of the things that yeah. I was extremely troubled by was the Trump entourage entered the room wearing mm. masks, yeah. sat down on the opposite side of Jill Biden and the Biden uh, people. The Biden people were wearing masks throughout the whole debate. As soon as they sat down, all the Trump people took off their masks. That is not an image that we need to be portraying at a time when every scientist is saying that we could cut the death rate enormously if people would all wear masks. So that was extremely disturbing to me. And I also want to make one other point still yeah, about last yeah, night, which is, sure. I thought one of the best lines of the night was, will you shut up, man? <laughs> uh, I mean, at some point, you know, he's he a spoke, He spoke on behalf of all of us. Like, I, I think anyone tuning in was like, thank you for saying that. <laughs> yes. Now, as to going forward, what should the rules be? And should you turn off mics? Um, uh, Chris Wallace, who says he did the best he could and probably did, um, because if you have a participant in a debate who doesn't care about being embarrassed, who doesn't care about following the rules, who thinks that he's above them all, you can't wrangle them into compliance. Mm -hmm. And so there's really nothing you can do. He, he interrupted Chris Wallace. He interrupted Biden. Um, so should you shut off the mic? Well, in a way, no, because what people are seeing is what foreign nations have to deal with when they're talking to Donald Trump, mm -hmm. what anybody negotiating with him has to deal with. And so I think turning off the mic, it's, it was very appealing. I know I was yelling, turn off the mic. I, <laughs> you know, uh, let's let Biden be heard. And I think, by the way, the most impact of the night was when Biden turned to the camera, ignoring yeah. the noise on his side, looked straight at the camera and said, like this, I want to talk to you, 
exactly. American people. And he, I thought that was an extremely effective, was pivoting I mean, away and doing yeah. that. I mean, throughout the debate, I found that moment so striking. Um, just throughout the debate, he kept on looking into the camera. Donald Trump kept looking at Joe Biden or, or looking or, you know, tilting his head in a weird, weird way. But, um, you know, Joe, Joe Biden looked straight into the camera and he kept saying you. He wanted to make this about the voter. And I thought that was a really good thing in the debate. And whether or not, you know, the average voter picked up on that, who knows, you know, uh, we might have gotten lost in uh, what happened during the debate. But the fact that he it knows what his job entails and that it is to represent the people and to speak right. on behalf of the people, um, that to me is, is significant. I think that really tells you everything you need to know about Joe Biden, that he right. will take his job seriously, unlike Donald Trump, who um, just really just made everything about Joe Biden, made everything about the socialist left, made everything yeah. about him. It was... This contrast were so mics, stark. If you cut off the mics, you don't get that. It is right. an appealing solution. Um, and I'm going to be watching what the Commission on Presidential Debates comes up with as a way to control an out-of-control president. And you can't blame Joe Biden for interrupting back occasionally uh, because it was it was so painful to watch. Right. But I want to ask you another question, which is, um, your parents are not Democrats, and um, you were watching the debate with them. Yeah, I'm just wondering how they viewed this, and and whether it's influencing how they feel, um, and whether they've talked to any of their friends, or you've talked to any of their friends, and what their generation um, is feeling. Yeah. So if, uh, if you don't, if, yeah, if they yeah, won't definitely. mind you answering that, I, I don't think they'll mind. Um, yeah. So I mean. So during the debate, I watched with them. I didn't really talk to them because I wanted to kind of see their reactions as um, they were debating. I, I was on Twitter just watching as well. But um, throughout the debate, they, they kept on laughing. And I didn't know whether the laughs were laughing, you know, just at, you know, what, what's happening or laughing at, you know, Donald Trump's ludicrous statements. Like, I don't, I don't know what happened. And then after the debate, I asked them, so what did you guys think? And both of my parents were like, this man is crazy. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, you know, I... I he was crazy. Um, it was just unhinged. And there were so many moments and they were like, we were laughing because we were found the process so just wild that, you know, we've, they watched past debates, they weren't really invested in past debates, but they knew that debates were about, you know, introducing your candidacy, why people should vote for you, what plans you have to, you know, make the country better. Yesterday was just a shouting match, and they were really amused by it, I thought. And so um, they, they think that Donald Trump is crazy after that debate. And I suspect that, um, a lot of, you know, their, um, a lot of other Chinese uh, parents also think there are other um, Asian Americans who may be a little bit more conservative um, on the political spectrum, but it, I don't think, I don't think it helped Trump at all um, for, for anyone who uh, is undecided about him. Oh, thank you for answering that. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I just was curious, um, you know, we all tend to live in our own bubble. Yeah. And so that I know that my followers on Twitter and and um, I was posting pretty regularly during yeah. the debate, uh, you know, something that one or the other said and what I thought of it, or sometimes it needed no comment. All you had to do was say what it said. Right. So um, anybody who wants to see what I was thinking in real time, uh, go to at Jill Wine Banks on Twitter and find my, my Twitter mm. uh, commentary because um, I, I was trying to capture some of the highlights. Yeah. And then I also would like 
or retweet some of the comments of other people that I follow. Um, you know, my fellow um, sisters-in-law, Joyce mm -hmm. Vance and Barbara McQuaid and Kim Atkins, um, and uh, and just other people who I, you know, uh, MSNBC hosts that are fabulous. And yeah. um, I, I tweeted um, basically at Rachel Maddow, Biden won because that was her conclusion. Yeah, yeah. So that's another, maybe one of the last questions, last questions I want yeah. to ask you is, so who won last night? Do you think there was a winner? And who was the loser? So politically, I, I don't think anyone won. Um, you know, I thought Joe Biden, I, I, I guess you, you can argue that, you know, since Joe Biden did what he had to do, he won politically by not um, losing any support. And I thought that was a, a good thing on behalf of the Biden campaign to go into this debate, you know, being cool, being calm, uh, not falling into Donald Trump's um, attacks. And so I thought that was, that was a good thing. Um, but just, I guess, any for me, like a, a win is if you like bump in the polls and I don't, I don't think anyone bumped in the polls. So honestly, I don't think there, there was a winner for me. Um, the loser, probably us um, who had to listen to the debate and probably had to endure the debate by the first 10 minutes. Um, once the shouting really set in, I was like, oh my God, like imagine the number of people who ha had a glass of wine during the debate or, or, or felt like for or helped all the urge to, to get that. But um, I, I thought, you know, for us as just ordinary listeners tuning into the debate, um, it was a loss for us because, you know, they, we, we didn't listen, we didn't get any, you know, indication of, we got some indication of what Biden would do. Um, but, you know, I, I just thought that for us, there was no substance that we didn't really get what we needed to get from a debate. Well, I, I, I agree on the loser, which was mm -hmm. listeners, um, I, that I definitely agree on. But I think um, to some extent, Donald Trump was also a loser. Mm -hmm. Republicans have distanced themselves on his refusal to condemn white racists, white supremacists. Um, and once Republicans start pushing away from him, that's a dangerous position for him to be in. He's been roundly criticized. Um, there was a poll asking people, what word would you apply to Joe Biden? What word would you apply to Donald Trump after watching this? And unhinged or some semblance of unhinged was the word that almost everyone, Democrat and Republican used to describe Donald Trump. Yeah. Um, it, 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 it was, there was no flattering word. Mm -hmm. uh, Biden, was called presidential and that's so, so funny because you know going into the debate donald trump was like my you know joe biden is senile he he's just he's, he's mentally shot and then you know uh and, and he also said i don't have to prepare because i am prepared every day because i am the president that was how trump said he was prepared right. i answer questions every day i'm prepared so i do think that if if i had to declare a winner um that i would say that it wasn't Trump, that it was Biden, yeah. and that in general, it hurt Trump. Um, and also, I would add to that in terms of my conclusion is that yeah. um, based on a very unscientific sampling of an independent voter who I heard today on NPR, um, that, and, and based on your parents, yeah. um, I would say that it hurt Trump and that oh, yeah. Yeah. people who were in that, I'm not really for one or the other, went to Biden as a result of it. And mm -hmm. so if he can hold that, um, then that would be a, 
you know, a good indication. And so I'm, I, I'm, that's how I interpret the results of last night. Yeah, for and sure. Now we'll have to see. Uh, Biden has already said that he is in for the next two. Right. Um, I don't know what the advisors to Trump are saying, whether they will try to say to him, you must control yourself. And remember, Obama is widely seen as having lost the first debate when he was running for reelection. Hmm. And partly it's attributed to the same attitude that Donald Trump had is I'm president and I know what I'm doing. Yeah. And so I don't have to really take this too seriously. And not taking it seriously sort of showed up in his performance you know, he's known as a very good orator and he didn't come across that way. Yeah. So he prepared and, you know, did amazing in the follow-up. Let's, so, let's end on maybe a little bit more of a hopeful note because I think the conclusion last night was that it was a sad moment for democracy to know that that's how a debate went down in American democracy. So, um, uh, what makes you hopeful as we head into, you know, November 3rd? So much can happen. You know, I'm suspecting we'll see more uh, chaotic moments like this and some October surprises. Um, but I mean, what, what makes you hopeful? Uh, I, I, the only thing I can say is that I've watched juries as a trial lawyer and justice in the end gets done. They understand and so I think there is a segment of the population that isn't listening and that this is a question of reaching out to people who might still be listening, who are undecided, and that this kind of performance will sway them uh, because I do think there is um, been a history and it's not just Donald Trump, it's his cabinet, but particularly his attorney general. Mm -hmm. I just signed another Department of Justice letter. I don't know how much impact that has, but as a former former proud member of the Department of Justice at a time when I used to be very proud to go into court and be able yeah. to stand up and say, on behalf of the United States of America, I am you know, representing you. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, people at the Department of Justice don't feel that way now because the Attorney General is doing a lot to undermine democracy and justice and mm -hmm. to follow the orders uh, and protect the president. Yeah. But I still remain hopeful that America will come through and before it's too late, uh, the fires in California and climate change in general um, were touched on a little bit last night. And there are so many issues that need to be taken care of right away that I, I remain faithful to democracy yeah, and to the yeah. American people. And I, I do hope that we can get back to having a dialogue, mm -hmm. a civil mm -hmm. dialogue based on fact, yeah. not just based on opinion or I like, I like Trump, I like what he says. I, I wanna know what facts are, what, what has he done? Let's pay attention to the 20,000 lies that have been you know, toted up on a, a board that he has put forward. Um, and, and there were many last night too, but I, I am hopeful that we will see um, people paying attention mm -hmm. and coming out to vote. Um, on that subject, I just wanna end with the hopeful note that I think that it is safe to vote in person for most people. 
I think that it's also safe in most places to vote by mail. Victor and I are both in Illinois where voting by mail will be perfectly safe and there will also be ballot boxes, locked boxes that you can drop it off into if you don't wanna trust the post office. And I know for sure that mail delivery has slowed. I can tell from things I've mailed and how long it mm -hmm. takes to get. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I would choose to use either um, dropping it into a, a, a ballot box or I may vote early and you know monitor my polling place to see when there's not a long line so that I don't have the risk of standing in line for a long time, right. wearing a mask, wearing gloves, having hand sanitizer with me, using my own pen to sign the register so that I don't have to use someone else's pen, wearing gloves when I touch the touch screen. Um, I, I use that in the primary and that was in the hmm. very early stages right. of COVID. Right. But even then I wore, you know, the little rubber surgical type gloves and the touch screen works with them. It, mm -hmm. it doesn't mm -hmm. interfere as if you tried wearing a leather glove. Um, and so I think, you know, voting in person is, is okay for those who feel comfortable with it. But I think voting by mail early, don't wait till the last minute exactly. and try to use a ballot box instead of the U.S. mail. Um, you can even deliver it straight to the polling place on, you know, anytime that they're open for early voting or during election day itself. Mm -hmm. And then don't expect to have results exactly. on November yeah. 3rd. Yeah. Do not expect that. There are states that cannot even legally start counting mail ballots until days or multiple days after. I'm not talking about a day or two. I'm talking about seven days after. So you can't have the results. Now, if there is, oh, a 70% vote for one candidate or the other electronically, that's probably a pretty good indication of who won, but it's still not final until all the ballots are counted. Yeah. One of Jill's pins is a count every ballot pin, and I'll be wearing that frequently between now and the election because that is what democracy rests on, yeah. and I believe in democracy. Likewise, I that that was a great ending. Um, just some housekeeping things. Um, you know, th so this week we are going to be releasing um, you know, a, a nice all-star panel with um David K. Johnston, Timothy O'Brien, and Renato Mariotti. Um, kind of just diving into the Trump taxes, what that means politically and legally. Um, and then you know, as we head into election day, expect some relevant podcasts from us. Um, and be sure to rate and subscribe to us. We also have a website now, so intergenerationalpolitics.com to find everything you need to know about our podcast. But thank you so much, and we hope that these next debates go smoother than this one. Thank you all for listening. We hope you listening also enjoyed this episode. Be sure to rate and subscribe to Intergenerational Politics on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you listen to your podcasts. Thanks so much for listening and see you on our next episode.